Welcome to the podcast Benzo Tired. I'm your host, Naftal Benesti, and I'm Dutch. Join me on my journey into the world of benzodiazepines, withdrawal, bind, and more. Disclaimer, always consult your physician for medical advice. This is episode 30, Haley and Tom, a partner's perspective. And today it's March 31st, 2023. I've had the absolute pleasure to have a chat with Tom and Haley. Haley is currently tapering her benzodiazepines and we discuss what it's like from a partner's perspective. Hi, Tom and Haley. Hi. Welcome to Benzo Tired. Thank you so much. So Haley, um, can you tell the audience a little bit about your Benzo story? Okay. Um, In December, 2020, I had surgery and after the surgery, I was given clindamycin just to prevent like any infections and I started taking it and then started getting like really, really sick. And some of the symptoms of my illness, like included like rapid heart rate and shortness of breath and everything. So every time I would go to see the doctor, they kind of assumed it was um, anxiety. Nobody ever did any testing or anything like that to see if it was anything else. And I got put on Ativan. And uh, over like the next six months, like things just kind of kept going like that, like in a cycle. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it all like seemed to center around my stomach and like after I would eat and we tried to express this to doctors and no one was like really listening. And like my uh, dosage kept like creeping up and creeping up. And I think I was around at two milligrams a day when they finally found out that I actually had C. diff for about six months. And I got that treated. But um, by the time I had gotten that treated, I was having a lot of interdose withdrawal symptoms and like tolerance um, withdrawal symptoms. So um, I figured I still actually had the anxiety that they said that I had when I really I was having withdrawal symptoms. And uh, so my dosage kept creeping up and up until it hit about five milligrams a day of Ativan. And they were trying to put me on different SSRIs. And then um, they started talking about switching me over to Clonopin. So in hindsight, it's kind of obvious my my psychiatrist at the time knew that I was having interdose withdrawal and everything. She never informed me of that. Because that's why she would want to switch you to clonopin. Exactly, for the right. longer half-life. So were you at any point when you were pr- the first prescription for Ativan, did they tell you why and what it was? Did you know anything about Ativan or benzodiazepines? I just knew that it treated panic attacks. That's all I knew. Yeah. And at one point, I will say at one point, your GP, we went in to get, we went in to talk to your GP and your GP, the only, the only thing I, the only like warning I ever remember us getting, because I was at your appointments, Mm -hmm. was he sort of offhandedly said something like, well, we want to have this managed by a psychiatrist because it can be hard or it, it can cause like dependence. And so you should have I this managed. I don't think he used the word dependence. I don't think he used though. the word dependence. He said he was uncomfortable managing the prescription. That's right. And <clears throat> wanted a psychiatrist to do it. So that's yeah. when I got switched right. to the psychiatrist. And um, yeah, so then I finally went online and started like looking up information about these medications, and, you know, like Ativan and Clonopin and everything like that. And like, um, that's when I kind of realized that a lot of the symptoms that I was having are all side effects of the medication. And I over like, this was a now a year after my C. diff had been treated. Um, Over that year, I thought I had this terrible like mystery illness. I went to like an allergist. I went to an endocrinologist. I went to Mayo Clinic, um, which is like, like a big deal. We had to drive six hours and stay in a hotel for a week. You know, you have to apply to go to Mayo. Yeah, we had to apply. And um, 
no one can find anything wrong with me. But like at the same time, what's frustrating looking back to me is none of these doctors were like, maybe check your meds, you know? I found that out by myself online. I went to my psychiatrist. Um, luckily, I also found tapering information online before I went to her because then she recommended just, you know, cutting my dosage in half for like a week and then in half again, you know, until it was gone. Oh, gosh. And I think that would have been pretty terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I found um the benzo information coalition website a benzo wise doctor that luckily lives near me um and works near me he's about an hour away um and got an appointment with him and just told my current psychiatrist everything was fine i held intolerance for about two months and then um switched to this new doctor and switched over to valium um over i think it was like three months it took me to switch she over did the whole to switch i think yeah and how was the crossover for you the crossover was terrible um it's been the worst part of my taper i think so far um holding intolerance like waiting to taper was pretty bad too just like panic attack wise and everything but um crossing over to valium things got like real bad i actually like I don't have a ton of memory of a lot from that time. I remember, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I remember um, feeling suicidal though for the first time in, in my entire life um, and hopefully the only time. Um, there was never anything like specific plans or anything like in my mind, but like there was just always this sense that like, I just can't do this anymore. I, I don't want to be here anymore. Like I can't, I can't manage through this. Like this is too much. Uh, I'm never going to get better. Um, things like would just come into my head that I'm never going to heal, never going to be the same, you know, I'm never going to be happy again. And, um, I think like after the crossover was complete, like it was probably literally like three or four weeks only like, and that all went away. So, and things have been steadily and slowly and steadily improving since then. Like I can talk without pausing so much now. Like I would like <laughs> yeah. lose a, like the end of my sentences before and just kind of stand right. there. Like I went blank. Um, I lost a lot of my vocabulary before all that's starting to come back. Like I'm quick with the jokes again, like <laughs> things that had like gone away, um, did come right. back. And like, I am able to like joke and smile and laugh, you know, even, even though I'm, I'm still like quite uncomfortable most of the time, like in my body, like I feel pretty uncomfortable in, in my body, like my mind, um, feels much more like my own again. So, so and, and, um, what is the current status of your taper? Uh, currently today, actually I do another cut and I'll be at 16 milligrams of Valium. So, uh, if you do the math, I started at 50 milligrams. Of yeah. Valium. I wanted to touch on that as well. Like, yeah. first of all, five milligrams of Ativan, that is a massive dose. Yes. Um, did you check with that with this? Did, did they just allow that to happen? Was that okay? They prescribed that. Yeah, they they would. I think they would have pushed you to six. Well, they would. Well. Yeah, it was pushing me to six or switching me to clonopin. Those were my options. Oh my god, that I had been given, and I took neither because I by then I knew I had to taper off, and I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to add any more, you know, to my taper. Like it'll just take longer. So right, um, six is pretty much the max that most providers will prescribed so if i had stayed on i would definitely want to switch to clonopin at some point you know had i never looked into anything but i am glad that i did look into oh, yeah. everything because um this time last year and this time this year like night and day you know i, yeah. I feel so much better um in may i'll have been tapering for a year right and and tom just um a question for you um, when this all started to happen to Haley, did you, what did you notice uh, happening to her on, while on the Ativan? Oh my gosh. Well, <clears throat> that's part of, 
you know, part of, part of what makes the whole thing confusing and part of like, you know, I've got a lot of thoughts and feelings on this too. So, you know, we thought for the longest time because, because Haley had that terrible intestinal infection, the C. diff infection, um, we really thought for the longest time that this was her stomach and that her stomach was what was causing all of these problems. So I'd go with her to these doctor's appointments and I would try to advocate with her and for her um, because the system is just misogynist as all hell, right? So like if, if you're a woman going into the medical system and you don't bring a male voice with you, you're even less heard. And I, I would go in and I would, I would tell these folks like in exactly these terms, I would say, listen, I need you to hear me right now. This is her stomach. This is not anxiety. I know my wife. She does not have anxiety. She is not a type A person. She is not a person who struggles with anxiety. I, this is coming from her stomach. And so for months and months, they ignored that. And I thought, well, okay, we found the C. diff infection. We'll treat the C. diff infection. And then we did all this research on the microbiome and the, mm -hmm. the gut-brain feedback system. And we're trying to figure that piece out. And so for a long time, you know, we thought that we had destroyed her microbiome with, and we did, with all of these medications yeah. and this terrible infection. And we were going to have to do this work to rebuild the microbiome. And it's going to have these, you know, um, effects on her mood and anxiety. And that's to be expected. And here's what we're going to do to fix that. And so I would be the one telling her before dinner, before a meal, because she was barely eating. She is a small woman to start with, and she had lost a lot of weight. And I would tell her like, hey, you should take your Ativan before you eat. <clears throat> because if you don't, you're going to have a panic attack when you try to eat. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for a long time, I was like, hey, the, you know, the Ativan seems to help you be able to eat. I'm worried you're not eating. You're losing weight. You know, remember to take your ass. So I was the guy like helping to push the Ativan. And I have to reconcile myself <laughs> with that to some degree because we didn't know. Yeah. And then once we figured out, OK, holy smokes, this is. This is the Ativan. You start looking at benzodiazepine withdrawal symptoms and you start checking the boxes of the nightmare that we had lived through for over a year. <clears throat> and you start looking at that and you realize, oh, my God, like this, this is the problem. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I watched. I watched like my wife disappear for a long time and change, um, you know, like she's she's describing her inability like to you know, find words and, and make jokes and, you know, like her personality changed, you know, her ability to like converse or, you know, even like watch a particularly stimulating television show or go to the movies or socialize with friends. Like all of that just went away. And we're trying like hell to figure out what is wrong, you know, like, and, and we're a well-resourced family. And so it, it was not through lack of like access to resources or education or effort. Like there was no expense or effort spared, none at all. And like, it was, to, there's not even a word that I can use to describe the, the, like the amount of anxiety and fear and like worry that I carried trying to help and being completely helpless, trying to figure this out. And then you figure out it's benzos and you're like, okay, well, all right, well, what does that mean? And, and what do we do? And how do we get off of this stuff? And then, if, well, you got to get this Benzo-wise doctor. Well, how long is that going to take? Well, it's going to take a couple of months to get the appointment. And then I'm I'm watching my wife, like, white knuckle her way through every hour of every day and barely sleep and barely eat. And it's, that is an experience that's difficult to put into words, like on my end. Like when you love somebody very deeply and you're just completely helpless to to make anything better um and you know that they're completely locked up in their own in their own space mentally and, and emotionally and you can't reach them you know mm -hmm. that's a that's really hard like that's a really hard thing to to because there's a lot of practical things you can do to support somebody but like the thing is like this is my wife i've always been able to just like reach into her heart and like find her there and there is like long periods of time where that was very difficult to do and and very and you don't feel like you're solace and you don't feel like you're comfort and it's it's really tough it's really tough yeah i i'm i'm betting my partner had a really hard time as well um seeing me having all of those things as well so when you guys found out that the benzos were the problem 
um, and, and you found a benzo-wise doctor, but you'd had to wait a couple of months. Did um, both of you at the same time start to research this and what it was, or was it mostly Tom, or did you do it together? No, it was mostly Haley. Yeah, yeah she yeah. she points me to things. Like she'll say, "Listen to this, or read this, or you know, she'll tell me about that's, what she's reading." It's like my it, that's in my nature. It is. That, you know, like once <coughs> once I'm uh, kind of interested in something, or I don't know, anything comes out, I'll research it to death. So that that was the, the whole microbiome thing too. I researched mm -hmm. that like crazy. Um, <laughs> At one point, I had a, a infectious disease specialist um, uh, because C. diff is it's a antibiotic resistant bacteria. So like you get a infectious disease specialist, like if you had MRSA or tuberculosis or something. And um, they were talking about uh, fecal microbiota transplants and and everything like that. Um, so I researched all that stuff to death, like thinking that was going to fix my my mind, you know. So then once i figured this out i did the same thing mm -hmm. you know i discovered the benzo information coalition i discovered benzo buddies i discovered the benzo community on reddit i discovered all the benzo people on facebook you know <laughs> like suddenly it was like this whole world that had been going on behind the scenes that i never saw before um was just there you know and, and there were so many other people i could ask like questions of and everything um so I, I went in, I, I'd read the entire Ashton manual. I was prepared, you know, like for what was going to happen. I had written out my taper schedule. You'd written out a schedule, you were. Yeah, yeah, like so that's, that's just me. Like, you know, just like I, I was going to do this and, and honestly expect it to be done by now, <laughs> according to my initial taper schedule. But, um, you know, like I get taught the hard way all the time that my, my, yeah. Best laid plans. Best laid plans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought I was able to taper in a month. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, but I didn't no. know about the Ashton I was manual. Told, like nine months, you know, like when when you read it and when you read the Ashton manual. The Ashton manual is is actually a pretty fast taper. Uh huh. Um, and that's not really what anyone does anymore. So. Oh, but I didn't know about the Ashton manual, and, and neither did any of my doctors or psychiatrists, and they were wow. pretty cool. Oh, you didn't respond well to the Valium? Oh, good for you that you're doing cold turkey. Good for you. That wow. was their response. So I found all of that stuff out way later. I guess I was three or four months into some sort of a taper before I found out what was really wrong. Um, and um, I'm, I'm tapering now for a year and a half. And I think mm -hmm. I may have one or two years to go, but I'm totally down with that now. In this condition, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. So Haley, in, in terms of the support from Tom, what were the most practical and, and best things and most valuable things that he did for you in your memory experience in terms of the benzos? Um, the number one, like most practical and most helpful thing that he did was kind of take over more um, with my kids. Um, so we, this is our second marriage for both of us. And we, we came into this marriage each with two kids of our own. Uh, we don't have any kids together. So like kind of a Brady Bunch thing going on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I was, you know, felt like it was, it was my job to to do everything with my kids you know they live with us full time and he took over uh waking them up in the morning and getting them to school and at that point in time my daughter had to be driven to school like 20 30 minutes each way um and picked up every day so it was kind of a lot of work and um that, that was the best because number one i could sleep and number two i wouldn't be freaking out thinking I'm going to get into a car accident um, because I'm dizzy or whatever, or I'm overtired or I feel sick, you know, today, like, and um, just being able to get sleep, like at my leisure kind of thing, because my, my schedule was so messed up for so mm -hmm. long. I was, I was like basically awake at night and asleep during the day for the longest time. And, um, or just randomly would fall asleep during the day. And like 
just knowing I didn't have to worry about like waking up to go pick my daughter up in the afternoon, even like, um, I'll wake them both up at six o'clock in the morning to go to school. Like it was a massive weight off. It was a massive stress off just to know that like, if I need to rest, I can rest like whenever I need to. And, um, physically the taper has been like very rough. And so he's taken over like my like heavy chore, which is laundry, like literally weight heavy <laughs> chore. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been, it was a massive weight off. It was a massive stress off just to know that like, if I need to rest, I can rest like whenever I need to. And, um, physically the taper has been like very rough. And so he's taken over like my like heavy chore, which is laundry, like literally weight heavy (laughs) chore. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's been such a big help, even though like I'm very weird about my clothes and I never would let anyone do the laundry before. Like you didn't even let your mom do your laundry when you were growing up. Like you're very particular about that. Yeah. Yeah. I love my clothes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, He was very conscious of that too. And would ask me like everything, you know, and just if he had to second guess anything, it was always, you know, like dry clean it or hang it to dry or, Mm -hmm. you know, like the most conservative cleaning method. Like, (laughs) so my precious clothes don't get ruined, but like, I don't know. He just did it in such a way that it was just like, okay, yeah, I know you have a way of doing this. And like, I want to do it the same way. Oh, that's so that so like, sweet. yeah, it's it, like, it's a weird stress. I have like, like I said, I'm very weirdly attached to my clothes. It would upset me if any of them got ruined. So like, it felt like, I don't know, I felt respected and seen and, you know, like my values, even though like they might be, a little materialistic or whatever <laughs> were valued, you know? Um, so that was super helpful too. Um, and, um, like you said, I, I did lose a lot of weight. I lost like 30 pounds while I was sick and he made sure I ate. Um, my diet, yeah, he still makes sure that I eat every day. Um, my, my diet has gone from, almost anything, you know, like I, I'm very adventurous eater. We love to like go out to eat a lot, um, to like a, a small handful of things. And like, um, he'll learn to cook them exactly the way that I like them. Like he'll write down exactly how I like things and he'll cook it that way for me if I'm just not feeling up for it. Um, those are for me, like personally is like the biggest the biggest things. And then over the side, you know, he would remind me, you know, like go outside, you should go outside and, and get some sunshine, you know, and like, um, fresh air, things like that. Like when, when really like over the summer was when I was switching from Ativan to Valium. Like I, I, I wanted to die at that point. I didn't want to get out of bed, you know, like I didn't want to leave the dark bedroom, you know, but it was probably, um, incredibly helpful and healthy for me to like force myself to do that every sunny day, you know, to go outside and get some sun. So a lot of it was just, you know, like taking over the responsibilities that would be like physically demanding, uh, mentally demanding with the kids. Um, and, and, and kind of just making sure that I, participate in my own self-care um he also drives me everywhere right now i'm very uncomfortable driving um that's getting a little bit better um as i i'm not dizzy all the time anymore but i was so for the longest time i was like really uncomfortable driving and he would if i had a doctor's appointment or something he would switch around uh, meetings at work and things to like make sure he could drive me because I was also incredibly uncomfortable calling an Uber. I didn't want a stranger to drive me. It was like just very anxious and uncomfortable with that. So just kind of like seeing like where I was like the most anxious or where I was the most physically impacted 
and like filling in for me, um, which I really appreciate because he's he does a ton, you know, like he already does a ton. So, but I, I honestly don't know that I could have gotten this far, right? I could have even gotten through the switchover or any of it, like if I, I didn't have that. Right. I can imagine I'd probably be dead without my partner. Um, yeah. If only if I, <laughs> if I didn't have him, I didn't have a reason. <laughs> So to, to right. keep on going and, 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 and don't get me wrong. I'm super glad to be alive and I'm doing pretty well, yeah. but, um, I've had, you know, the darkest times as we all can have, as you know, and I really, mm -hmm. I didn't want to go, I didn't want to leave because, um, you know, I wanted to keep on going for him. I couldn't do it to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was my reason still is my reason to keep on going. So Tom, in terms of your life, as you're not affected by the benzos directly, but mm -hmm. how did this affect you uh, as a human being, seeing all of this happen in quite kind of a short span of time too, as I gather yeah. from Haley's story. So how did you manage to become so flexible and it, was it natural for you? How did you kind of do all this? Well, I, I wanna, there's a, there's a bright, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with like kind of like a bright spot. It's something I just kind of realized a few weeks ago that has come out of this. That's a big deal to me. Um, so as, as Haley mentioned, we're an integrated family. Um, and I've always been good with the kids. Like I've always had a good relationship with her kids. Um, there's never been any tension or difficulty there. But one thing that I've realized and we've talked about recently that actually is like real, it's become real meaningful to me as a result of <clears throat> taking on a lot of that, you know, day to day sort of, you know, parenting responsibility. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm driving them to school and stuff, but you know, I'm also driving them to the dentist appointments and the pediatrician or, you know, the urgent care or, you know, cause they're, they're, they're sick prone or accident prone the last year or two. Um, so I'm doing a lot of that stuff and, and what's happened that is a bright spot. And then we'll talk about the other stuff I promise because it's real, but like we're closer, like the kids look to me, I think, not just as a stepdad, but as like, and, but as somebody who like has shown up for them in their life that they love and that they reach out to for advice now. And that like, it's strengthened my relationship with my stepkids, um, in a way that I don't know whatever would have gotten that strong. Um, we always were good. You know, the kids and I were always good, but you know, now they're just as likely to text me if they need something. Maybe not just as likely, and it More depends on what it is. Right yeah, now, if they actually, need something very yeah. practical, they're yeah. going to text me first, you know, <laughs> for sure. But they also will reach out to me for other kinds of advice and other kinds of supports. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that we would have built that same kind of bond <clears throat> in the same way if I didn't need to step up in all those really practical day-to-day -day sorts of, you know, ways, you know, making sure that they're fed their meals and, you know, that they've got their groceries because, I, you know, so, so that's a good spot. Like I, like there is like, there is some stuff that has made us stronger as yeah, a family. For sure. Um, and I, I, I mean, I'll, I don't want to sound too cheesy, but I also think that like Haley and I, our relationship is only six years old, a little over six years old. And mm -hmm. we've been married for five and we've been doing this for now for a couple of years. Um, I don't think with, uh, I don't think our relationship ever would have we had a strong, strong relationship to start with, but being tested like this, I think, at, especially at a young age in the relationship, um, I feel like it gave me an opportunity to show up for her and to show her who I am, you yeah. know, and to like be there. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like a big schmaltz with this. I'm sorry. Cause like, this is actually super important shit to me. So like, it is. my voice it is, is going to break a little bit. I'm sorry. That's okay. But, like, there is a lot of beauty that comes from this. Uh, I know, but go on. Yeah. Like from the beginning, when I fell in love with her, I knew that I wanted to show up for her for her whole life. But I figured like that takes time. And then we got we got pushed right away. And so like it gave me, I think, a chance to really show up for her in ways that um, were unexpected and, and often very, very unpleasant. But um, but we're very real, you know, and I think that like really deepens that relationship. At least it does. You know, it does for me. Like I got to show her like, hey, here's. Here's who I promised I would be. And here's who I am. Yeah. You know, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but, um, but it's been, you know, for me, like, does it come naturally? I think I'm a caretaker by nature for sure. I think that's, yep. that's Definitely. who I am. <laughs> yeah. So, 
um that's certainly like it's it's always important to me to to be present and to show up and to care for people and to do it in a real active way you know i'm, I'm i don't want to be a lip service guy that's not who i want to be in my life um so that does come naturally for sure but um <clears throat> You know, every single thing about our lives has completely been upended. You know, our social life ground to a, a complete halt, yeah. essentially. Um, there's a lot of weird little things that um, that are very hard to express, but like Haley's physically uncomfortable a lot. Um, so I can't cuddle her. I can't like give her a big hug. I can't pick her up in my arms and hold her. Um, before the surgery and all this stuff, we fell asleep every night cuddling each other. And then, you know, I'd get all twitchy and weird and I'd have to turn over when I fell asleep. But um, I have to ask her to give her a hug because I don't know how she's going to be feeling now. Um, there's a lot of little stuff like that. That is, uh, it's tough. It, and as, as we've gone through this, it's also been... And I think about this and I'm not always perfect with this for sure, but like you want to hear and support and, and trust and believe. And I do, but then there's also times where the benzos make her tired and cranky and anxious and maybe like a little <clears throat> personality wise, a little different than, she, than, I, than I know she wants to be, or I know who she really is. And so you have to sort of walk this line where you, listen and hear and believe and then don't take it personally at the same time uh, right and that's that's actually like like that's actually a really hard thing to do to be to stay engaged and emotional and open and hear and listen and then not feel hurt or not feel or feel hurt and recognize that like okay that you know that kind of hurts but like i'm like that has to be for me that that feeling is real and it's valid but that's not also like really who Haley is and so like i'm not gonna like talk about it we, we don't need to address it but i still have to figure out how to feel it and not and not react to it um because the benzos change who we are you know they they change how she can react to me um, and especially during the particularly difficult waves that she's gone through um we can't have we can't like watch a particularly funny television show we can't have big emotional experiences together of any kind good or bad right mm -hmm. um and so for me it's like i have to say okay that's that's not real for her it feels real for me and i need to trust it and not react to it um so there's a lot of there's a lot of like emotional dissonance that is embedded in being a caretaker for somebody going through something that so dramatically affects their mental health um, and their emotional health. Um, yeah. And I've not always been perfect with that. And like, you know, and so I try to learn my lessons when I'm imperfect from it, but <laughs> well, you know, you're, and you're human. raising my hand. And like you're I've human. You cannot there. be, you know, 24 <clears throat> seven always, you know, you, you're going to have your emotions and you're going to have your personality and your feelings. Um, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm, kind of getting out of my benzo bubble as you will because i think i'm pretty stable now um but when i think back of the things that i said to my partner in the, during the thick of it basically asking him to end me and um that i didn't want to go on anymore and crying um and then i would stabilize at some point and uh, but i i think it can be very traumatic for a partner when you're in mm -hmm. that state of hell, you know, of like, I, I can't, you know, it's like unbearable. I'm not really sure if that this happened with you two as well, but um, it can get really dark. And then for you to be like, okay, this isn't really Haley, that's really good that you're like, okay, this isn't, this is the benzos, this is causing that, you know? So I think that's a good approach, but it's still yeah, hard, I guess. Yeah, it is, because like for Haley, she doesn't have memories of that time. You know, so for a lot of stuff or they're hazy, but I don't my yeah, memories lots of gaps or things are like out of order timeline wise. Like it's very it's a very confused time in my memory and I have a pretty good memory. You have a great memory. So yeah. it's, it, that it's a weird feeling Yeah, to have. <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know, but for me, I remember all of it, you know, because and, and, a lot, and there was a lot of emotion. The, not only do I remember all of it, but I remember all of it, I think, with 
more clarity than you remember your regular day-to-day -day life because it's more emotionally charged. So we build we build memories around things that are emotionally charged and we hold those memories just naturally more um we hold those memories naturally more guarded, you know, and we, we, we keep those memories and, and I have a lot of memories around stuff that happened in our life and, and feelings that I had during that time that I'm glad she doesn't have. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad, but, um, but it, all that shit's crystal clear for me on my end, you know, because it, it was a deeply emotionally, and it is a deeply emotionally charged way to live. Um, so as somebody who's like trying to be the support and the caretaker for somebody going through the benzos, that's something too that I have to remind myself of and try to be conscious of that I remember and I have these feelings about it and those are real and I get to have them. But like we don't need to share those that space because it's better if she doesn't. It's better right. for her and it's better for us if like she doesn't have to go back into that space and that yeah. we don't have to go into that space together but that doesn't mean on my end that like it's not there for me and like it's not real and i will say like i think traumatic is is not an exaggeration it's tough it's really difficult to love somebody and to watch them change and to not be able to help you know like when you love somebody and you want to do something nice for them just to make them like smile today and you realize there's literally nothing i can think to do to make you smile today there's nothing i can do to make you happy like i rack my brain is there anything i can do that would just like make your day brighter and then you have to be like no uh, there isn't probably anything i can do today to make your day any brighter um but just I think get through like, it. yeah but i think like what that kind of misses is like i made it through all of those days like yeah you don't make me smile every single day like i was on an insane amount of like benzos mm -hmm. i was i was like going from one med to another which hits one part of your receptor versus another so it was like a huge withdrawal from one part of my gaba receptor and trying to like just keep that uh I don't know, under control with like hitting another part of my GABA receptor. Like I, I didn't need to smile. Like I needed to survive. So mm -hmm. like, like you, you know, like, yeah, like it, it sucks when you want to make me happy, but like you made me here. I'm here. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I totally relate. I I, it's, I mean, even though my crazy times and the barely sleeping part, I, I kind of knew that my old self was in there. It just needed time to come back. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, it has come back. Um, so it is what you say. It's survival. It's you really need to get through that time to survive and be fed and make sure that you get through the days. Um, but you'll be back at some point. So yeah, Haley, I, you, you, you yeah, mentioned I didn't like, know that. Oh, I, <laughs> I didn't it, know that. I but, thought I was gone. Yeah. Know, well, so. and during that time, yeah. I didn't know either. Right. right. So like, I, I think there's a difference and I, I agree with you. I hear you what you're saying. And I do feel that way. I guess what I'm trying to express is there's a difference between like Tuesday at three o'clock Mm -hmm. and your ability to zoom out and look at what has happened. Yeah, hindsight is definitely 2020, yeah. but that's kind of why I wanted to stress like how bad things were and how how gone I was. Like I felt like I don't know, like I, I trapped like a tiger in a cage, kind of panicked animal, but at the same time like like in those like real like emotional ways I felt gone like the only example I really have is like we got a kitten and I love cats mm -hmm. I love cats so much and I've never in my life gotten a kitten that I didn't just spend like all of my time just adoring and I I did not want this cat like I felt nothing for it you know when we got it like yeah um like any cat lover i guess like maybe can like, like <laughs> cat lovers will relate yeah. yeah like like i felt nothing for this kitten i felt like it was annoying or just like oh my god like what did we do like why do we have this kitten like i didn't love it until 
until I started getting better. Yeah. You know, so like I like like my brain just it couldn't experience like like those like bonding, loving, uh socializing, you know, like interaction with other humans kind of emotions. It was just all blunted or masked or something by the benzos and then the benzos i always say like they lie to you you know yeah. they tell you you need them they tell you you're never gonna get better yeah you know they tell you you're like this forever you know they yeah. tell you you want to die and i don't you know i don't want any of them. i never have before and i never knock on wood you know have since <laughs> uh-huh so so were you put on other drugs besides benzos during your I was, withdrawal? Yeah, I was tried on a couple of, um, Buspar was one of them. That did not go well. I had a bad reaction to that. Um, Lexapro. And then oh I think there was one other SSRI. I don't Didn't remember. Did you try am at one point? Amitriptyline. For a yeah. yeah, it's a tricyclic. I don't think you took any of those for more than a couple of days, thankfully. Like, they made you, everything you know, worse. They made everything worse. Yeah. So you didn't get polydrunk yeah. at all. Like for any appreciable length of time. No. Yeah. Thankfully. Yeah. Thankfully. Yeah. I'm very happy, too. They gave me Seroquel, Remeron, or Remeral, oh. um, the Mirtisipine. That, uh -huh. That's the generic name. I mean, they gave me everything. <laughs> they gave me everything. Um, the only thing, and I, I, I said it in a recent episode because I thought throughout this whole journey that I basically wasn't polydrug because I was never on them for very long, but maybe the beta blocker is up for debate because I uh, took that for um, about a year. Um, and that was a very tough drug to come off of. And I didn't know that it actually entailed a taper. Um, yeah. but you know, I'm, because it's not an SSRI or an antipsychotic, um, I don't know. I felt like all of a sudden when I had to taper that, that was very difficult. I was like, oh, maybe I am polydrug. But I mean, I think these days it's very hard to find people just on benzos because we get so, we can get so sick and so desperate that we will try something because to kind of like alleviate some of the symptoms but oh, i would absolutely. have to agree with you because with most of the things that they gave me just they just made it worse or yep. they just zombified me all of that stuff is just trash it's just horrible mm -hmm. yeah so, the only other thing that i take now is an antihistamine uh the benzos have definitely like screwed with my my system a lot and i've had a lot of like allergy symptoms that was why i went to the allergist yeah. when i i didn't know what was going on yet uh, i didn't know it was the benzos yeah i went to the allergist because i was having such trouble like eating and also like other allergy symptoms that i haven't had um in decades you know like itchy eyes sneezing like sore throat the whole the whole thing so that the only other thing that i take daily is an antihistamine Right. Yeah, I was on an antihistamine. Um, they call it promethazine. I was on that for a while for sleep. It didn't really mm -hmm. help. Um, and I tapered it in over the course of like three days, like very rapidly. And I had one day after the taper of that, I had complete benzo health, something going on, but then it was over. So um, not a big deal, thank God. Um, but I was like, with every drug that I tried, I was like, everything just makes it worse. Maybe because of the benzos where my nervous system is fried and fucked or whatever, that yep. it just can't tolerate anything else. Um, the only thing that I'm currently on is like a low dose of melatonin, like half a milligram, but I don't even know if it actually does something. I'm sleeping well, but I, when I wasn't sleeping well, I was also trying <clears throat> melatonin and nothing really seemed to work for the sleep. That was the hardest thing for me in my whole taper, the insomnia, that was brutal for me. Yeah, it was probably my second big wave was when- Oh my God, that insomnia you um, had for a while. Yeah, I had insomnia where <clears throat> I, was, I was sleeping about two to four hours a night sometimes not all sometimes in one, not even two hours right not all in one go so i guess like two to four hours a day uh i had started like getting to the point where i was like falling asleep you know and like we would be having a conversation and i would be falling asleep and and i would only know i was asleep because tom would say something like really weird you know <laughs> or we were watching something on television and things like would go like in a completely strange, you know, bizarre dreamlike way. And I would realize I was asleep and like jolts 
back awake. So I'd be asleep for like 30 seconds and be like straight into dreamland. And I was seeing things um, in my peripheral vision, like a lot. And uh, that's why I, I finally, after three months of sleeping that poorly, I finally yeah. admitted that I needed to slow my taper down. Um, that's been the hardest part for me is like not hitting like the goals that I put in my head. So I had wanted to get to 20 milligrams before I slowed my taper down and I ended up having to slow it down at 22 milligrams. And did it help you, you to know. slow it down? Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Like night and day. <clears throat> so like now knowing all that, I'm just like, I'm just going to listen to like what my body's telling me right. more, more closely. I'm not going to like let it go for three months of like horrible, like sleep again. Cause that's not good for brain healing. And I know that. Um, so like really like my goal is just to get out of this as healthy as I possibly can, yeah. not as fast as I possibly can now. Mm -hmm. So my goal is definitely kind of switched over the course Same. of my taper. Yeah. One, one thing we've done that's been, I think really helpful when things, when, when I'm, when I notice that things get bad, um, and this was her idea, but I, I try to like, I'll jump in and be like, I think you need to have a, a TBI day, like a traumatic brain injury day mm -hmm. where like you get it. We're not watching TV. You're going to like be in a dark room with spa music on all day and you're going to sleep if you fall asleep. And like, then we'll just, I'll just tell you sometimes, like, I, I think maybe, maybe today would it's be a, a good TBI. It's a brain rest That's day. You know? That's don't great. use your phone. Don't do the TV. Meditate as often as you can. I'll, I'll tiptoe around, you know, like yeah, it's I fine. Yeah, I into um, everything with benzos and stuff. And it is a physical injury to your brain. Um, so treating it as you would any other physical injury to the brain was incredibly helpful mm -hmm. early on for me. Um, yeah, like not a lot of stimulation, a lot of rest. Yeah. Um, I think as a support person, one thing that, that I do try to do is be a little bit more of the like objective voice, like not objective, there's nothing objective about being in this space. But sort of have I have a I have a distance that you can't have to it. So I'm able to say things like, hey, I think I think maybe it'd be a good brain rest day. You know, maybe some like intervention, I, you mean like some intervention. Yeah. yeah. You know, pop in a little bit and say, hey, you know, your sleep's been really bad. Like maybe we can do try this other thing and just kind of give you a point of reference sometimes mm -hmm. because it, it you don't have a point of reference. You're in the forest. There's no way for you to see the trees, you know, and it's so. I think that that's been useful for us I do, too. Yeah, I yeah. do use him as like kind of like a double check too. Cause I'll be like, this has been going on and this has been going on, you know, and like list out. And I was like, do you think I should hold for this week? You know, like, mm -hmm. because I, I want, I don't want someone to like, just, I want him to tell me like, you know, the truth there. I don't just ask him. I actually have like people from a, a support group that I'm in that I'll, I'll double check with too. Mm -hmm. But he's one of the people because he sees me mm -hmm. in person and the people in my support group do not that like he he weighs in on like, is it worth holding? Should I try and cut? You know, like sometimes things will come up like we're going to move soon, you mm -hmm. know, and I, I fully expect to like hold. hold. Yeah. You know, right. for a bit, like while we move, you know, like smart, like planning for that. Yep. And ready. Um, but sometimes, you know, like I'll, I just had COVID. Um, and I had to like go on, like ask like my friend that is also withdrawing from benzos and much further along than me. Um, what did he do during co when he got COVID, you know, and they look on Benzo buddies and see what everyone's I was like, okay, everyone holds when they get COVID kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think as know, like, I, I asked, like, you know, like, like he sees me, he sees mm -hmm. how I act and he has a better memory of how I acted last week versus this yeah. week. Right. Kind of thing. And yeah. he can like kind of check my, my perception because like kind of all of it just feels bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so it's like, am I worse this week? Like, did you, do you notice me being worse this week? Like that kind of thing. He can kind of check my perceptions sometimes. Yeah. I think, I think one thing that, that I try to do too, is offer like a, a, a perspective on 
how much time has passed because yeah. your, your your perception of time through this has gotten really skewed and so sometimes we'll have a conversation and be like it's been like this for this long and yet and i'm like it's been two days it's been two days and like no that, i'm gonna tell you like very time... long two days you didn't sleep you yes. know but I'll, yeah. I'll tell her sometimes like hey like just i just want to go through and remind you that that started sunday and today is wednesday morning and that started about four o'clock on sunday so that's really only right. about 50 hours and it's you know and i'll try to like offer some like time perspective because without it you know especially when you were in that place where you weren't sleeping at all mm -hmm. you, your days were 24 hours long right and so or damn yeah. near and then your your perception of time gets skewed by the benzos anyway it feels so like i've had a hundred lifetimes in the span of yes. a year and a half in, in, yes. in tapering and withdrawal like time is it's like i've been in some sort of funky twilight zone um it takes forever it takes forever <laughs> and you're i mean i'll speak for myself because i was sick for such a long time and like you say like your whole world changes you're not socially active i didn't even know what day it was anymore um mm -hmm. and people's lives just go on even though you're sick so people have their birthdays their marriages or whatever and mm -hmm. you're not there so all of a sudden what i'll speak for myself once i got better i was like oh life has moved on without me which is great but i have to really get into this living under a rock for so long so time really works differently for me and withdrawal i would say yes yes so tom you um we've had some great um examples that you that you gave us and Haley gave us but if someone is listening uh, a partner of someone husband wife whatever parent child um what advice would you give them if they are dealing with a partner or a loved one that is dealing with benzo withdrawal? Yeah, I, I, I really think you've got to you've got to educate yourself as much as you possibly can, um, and and that recognize that that process is going to be an ongoing process. That educational process is going to be ongoing. Um, so you know we've watched documentaries together. I I've joined Facebook groups. I read people's stories. I listen to your podcast. I've listened to other podcasts about benzos. Um, but I think the most important, so you got to do that stuff. Cause you like, this is, this is going to define your life too. I, you, you also have to recognize and just accept and be okay with and find some way to, um, reconcile yourself to the changes that are going to happen in your life. And your life is going to change dramatically. Um, there isn't a part of my life that is the same as before this happened. My work life is different. My life with Haley is different in every way. My there, there's no part of my life that's untouched by this at all. Um, and you have to, you have to understand that that's going to happen um, and, and, and figure out a way to work around that and to, and to find places in your life where you can still have access to your social connections. Cause it can be very easy to get lost in this space. Like mm -hmm. as, a, as a support person, you're needed a lot um, and your workload's going to increase a lot and you're going to be, you know, taking care of somebody, you know, their emotional and physical needs. And so you've got to find some way to be okay with all of that and to still maintain some social connections of your own um, and to make sure that you've got some supports. Um, and I will say there's not a lot of good supports out there. Like you've, I've not found any, literally any um, for caretakers or support people. Um, I've not found any, any good resources that I really feel comfortable pointing to. Yeah, um, there, there's no like Al-Anon <clears throat> for benzos, you know. No, there's not. There's not. Um, and it's so, a, it's a tricky it's a tricky area. I mean, I'm not on Facebook, so I've never seen any of the support groups there. The only support group that I was on was Benzo Buddies, and well, it's an open forum, so anyone yeah. can just say yeah. whatever. Um, and uh -huh. I I mean I I I've I've met some cool people through Benzo Buddies, but you really have to sift out um, because sometimes it's just you know, it's very dark and I can relate to it, but you have to, I mean, for, I'll speak for myself that I have to be in a certain state to be able to visit that website. If I'm not in a good state, it's best for me not to be there as you, yeah, I you only catch my dream. kind yeah. of Google, you know, like COVID benzo buddies, you know, and I only look at that. Like I don't spend time in those spaces anymore. I did yeah. a bit in the beginning and then I noticed, like you said, like if you're not in the right headspace, it can like, trigger you for lack of a better word, <laughs> like mm -hmm. for sure. So like I stopped having those Facebook groups show up in my feed. I don't go on the Reddit anymore. 
Like even like I have to be in the right frame of mind to like listen to like a podcast or watch a documentary mm-hmm. or something. And um, even sometimes then I'll regret it, you know, mm-hmm. be like, oh, God, I shouldn't have done that. Now I'm like kind of amped up or anxious or worried about this new thing now. Um, right. So you do like have to like protect your peace, you know, a lot. That's been like, I, I guess I would say like the second act of my taper, you know, like the first act is like all this horrible, horrible stuff. And the second act has been me learning how to pick up like the pieces. But like, like before I say anything about that, the other thing that like I thought of when Tom was talking was that um, he needs to take care of himself too. And that like, sometimes means prioritizing things like when I don't want them prioritized over me, (laughs) like he needs to work out. Like he just needs that. And that's who he is, you know, like, and without it, like his mood suffers, his health will suffer, you know, but like mostly it's his stress release, you know, it's like working out like, so he needs that time. And I need to accept that like he needs that time. And, you know, like sometimes that's like him, going like out on his bike for hours, you know, or or to the gym for a few hours. And I don't like being alone, but like, I've, I've learned like how to be alone. Like, so that's, that's, that's been a benefit of it, but also like, like I, I finally kind of gotten out of my own headspace and like, was like, ah, you know, like, yeah, for sure. Like, like he needs to be there for himself too. You know, like, it's like putting on your own oxygen mask first kind of thing in the plane. Like you need to be able to like have like something that is yours, you know, like, like you said, time with his friends, things like that. Um, Even if it makes me uncomfortable, like I can, I can, I'm a big girl, you know, like, like for the most part, like I've managed all of it Mm -hmm. like pretty well, even if I don't like it. So like, it's okay if sometimes I don't like something, you know, like, if it's what he needs like for himself, cause he's like showing up for me. So like that, I've had to like, kind of come to terms like with that yeah, a bit, you know, because like, I'm just, I feel incredibly needy right now. Like, like shamefully and embarrassingly <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like needy um, <laughs> in a way that like, like I, I never have been. Yeah. If, if I could, if I could be with you 24 hours a day, you would be happy with that. Yes. You would love that very, very mm-hmm. much. <laughs> <clears throat> and, and I would do that if I could without going completely mad, you know, yeah. but, and, and that's not because right. of you. That's just because, you know, like she said, I, I have to do some things that aren't work. You know, right. I have to do some things that are not just um, because you don't want to build resentments, you know, mm-hmm. and part of this process, I was going to, going to say you you have to let go of a lot of your expectations you you know when Haley was talking before about we thought this would take nine months mm-hmm. so you sort of set yourself up like okay cool like uh, we've been doing this for a year we'll do this for a year and nine months and then we'll have that's how long this will take and, and but you have to let go of all of that you have to let go of your expectations about how this is going to go how long it's going to take what this is going to feel like for you you just have to set that all aside and say, all right, what is, what do I need to be today? Like, how do I need to show up today? And if you're going to do that, then you also have to say, all right, well, I got to show up a little bit for me too. You know, I've got to, I got to make time. I got to be educated. The, the other thing I was going to say too, is, um, my God, if as a, as a piece of advice, you have got to believe your person when they tell you how they feel. Right. I I look online and I I read some of these stories and I'm I'm like Haley and you like it's at this point I don't I'm I'm on these groups online but I don't go through them I hide them I'll like open them up once in a while and and like search for something if I have a question or whatever but so many people don't hear and believe and trust that this is really what their person is feeling and this is really like what this is doing to them. And you have to, you, you've got to do that. You've got to just like say, I see you and I hear you. And one of the ways that I try to show that to Haley is we'll talk and I'll try to understand like what space she's in. And then more often than not, I will write her an affirmation. Um, 
I was doing them in the morning and now I just kind of do them randomly throughout the day when I get time because my schedule's a little off. But it, I really do try to write something to her every day to say, I see you and I hear you and I trust you and I believe you. Um, so because it's a fucking lonely space. Mm -hmm. It's lonely for me, you know? And it's, I know it's lonely, much lonelier for her, like deeply lonely. And like, if I don't reach out and say, I, I trust you, I know what you say is true. I, I see you. I hear you when you tell me you hurt. I hear specifically how you're hurting because it changes. You don't hurt the same today as you hurt six months ago. No. And so I, I, I try to write a little something to you more days than not as part of like my show to you. Like I'm here and I see you today. Like it's not just an overarching thing. Like yeah, I, I feel like checking in all the time matters right now in a way that I think it always matters, but like I think it matters more now <laughs> yeah. than it has ever mattered before. Yeah, I, I think in this whole benzo withdrawal, it has totally changed me, but also for the better in some ways. Like, first of all, I never really think about next year anymore. Maybe I used to in the past, like now I'm like, I'm just happy to have good days in the here and now, like we've got today, we might not have tomorrow. So I'm just very appreciative of every day that I have with my partner and just having a life and not being so sick as I used to be. So I got to appreciate the the days more. Um, so that really changed for me. And just I'm just more appreciative of love and having a partner and just basic things, I guess I'm just more appreciative of life than I ever was before benzos. Yeah, um, I was kind of a different person. I never hmm. there was never a tomorrow or a next year or whatever, like in my in my world. Yeah, it's been tougher. <laughs> it's been tougher because of that. Yeah. yeah. So like today is everything and always has been. So like that, that was really hard. So it kind of worked in the reverse, I think, for me. And this is what I was like kind of joking about act two of my benzo recovery. It's been like learning like to, to identify for myself those things that I'm grateful for, you know, and reminding myself that I'm grateful for them, you know, and that like this discomfort today is not a, a, my entire life. This is not my entire story. Um. And I started like where we met, like on Instagram, I started my Instagram page, like kind of based on like everything that had been working for me to like get out of like that dark place and like back to like who I am. So like a big, 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 big part of that was just accepting like where I am and like where I am is fine. Where I am is normal for someone who's been like poisoned by I think benzos. your Instagram page is fucking awesome because I Thank found you. it <laughs> I, because <laughs> you know a lot of these um social media things and I was basically off social media for a long time because I just couldn't mm -hmm. cope with all these perfect lives while I was really sick and you know it I just really chose to stay away but yeah. then through Instagram I actually met a couple of really cool people that I also work with for uh, for the podcast and everything but then I found your Instagram page and it's so unique from all the other Benzo pages because this Thank was you. just was bright goal. and light. That was 100% the goal. Like, like I, I was making something that I needed for myself, really. Mm -hmm. I was making the space that I couldn't find on, on social media. Like there's so much um, about Benzos and everything that's necessary. You know, it's, it's information that people do need, like people should know, but it's scary and like anxiety inducing. And I just wanted to create something that was like completely yeah. positive, not toxic positivity, like accepting reality, accepting where I am and like, and, and finding gratitude still and finding like, like a way to laugh about it. A bit, you know, I put things up that are funny. I put things up that are like, you know, like strike me like as like, like something that made me like really think or or made me feel like really differently about like a situation like I share I was like joking. I'm a magpie of like quotes and pictures. And like some of the things written are me. Some of the things written are the affirmations that Tom sends to me. <laughs> oh, really? That's so yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it's all like a mishmash, but it's all like kind of like centered around like this whole mindset shift that I had to like make myself get into where it was like, like I need to have acceptance for where I am now. I need to like be mindful about like the way that I'm talking to myself. 
I need to have gratitude, you know, for the things that are going well. I need to see the things that are going well. I need to like recognize what I'm doing well too. And like give myself some credit because like all I was ever yeah. seeing was that I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not anywhere near done. And like, but like, like if, look how far I've come, you know, like I need to give myself credit for that. And I never definitely, was, definitely. you know? And so just like, like mindfulness and then like, and uh, meditation, like crazy enough, like I've never in my life been able to meditate. Like I finally like learned how, and that's helped me like do all of that stuff too. Like a lot of these things are kind of based in like cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, but they worked, they worked so well. And I just wanted to kind of curate a space that like people can like just go to just like get maybe some inspiration or some comfort, you know, like I want to be like the comfort food for people withdrawing from benzos. And I specifically wanted it just focused on benzos too, not just like <clears throat> positivity and affirmations. There's a lot of those general things that just don't, they don't speak to me like where I am. I just love your person. Instagram page so much because I, you know, it was like a fresh, a, a breath of fresh air. I was like, Oh, this is light and bright. And this is, this is actually motivating. And I just loved it because, you know, overall, if you go on social media or I, I stay clear from YouTube, because if you do benzo withdrawal there, then you see yeah. all these horror stories and people crying yes. and having echothasia. And I mean, I can relate to it because I've been there, but I don't necessarily want to see it. And then I yeah. saw your page. I was like, this is fucking awesome. Who, who, who? That's why I, I, I reached out to you. I, I yeah. like, literally thanking you. Like, thank you so much for this Instagram page because it's so needed and it's so inspiring. So thank you for that. Thank the both of you for being on the podcast show and yeah. Haley, you have a way, a way to go, but you're doing really well. And hopefully we can have you on the show again, maybe later. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully like it'd be great in the future. And I'm like, have great news or something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks so much. Appreciate, appreciate the opportunity to talk to your audience. Thank you. Same. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the episode. Be well, be safe. Remember, it's not a race. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to support the show, go to paypal.me slash